It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. I'm Trey Strolko from the Sons of UCF, joined by Eric Lopez of the Black and Gold Banneret. Welcome to Around the Kingdom. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm glad, Trace, that you're not part of the people on strike like in Hollywood right now. I was worried where we even have an episode this week. Well, you know, when I signed up for this thing, I did not expect to be paired with a Golden Mike Award nominee. Congratulations, Elo, nominated for Best Local Play-by-Play Voice. Uh, very honored to be nominated, second year in a row, part of the UCF softball coverage. Go vote on Golden Mike Awards for me and my colleagues that uh, help contribute to the UCF broadcast this season. Uh, very kind of you, Trace. Tell the truth now. You're just honored to be nominated. It doesn't matter if you win. No, it's gravy from here. I'm just honored to be nominated. I'm honored to be on in the presence of you and Adam That's what really I'm honored about. In fact, nothing, no matter what I win. This right here. I feel like this is my trophy right here. In the back. One of those new camps. What does it say? Ehos? Is that the. Ehos. You rang? I'm sorry. I heard my name. You you rang? Adam Eaton, sons of UCF, behind the scenes guru who will be watching the clock and keeping us on our toes. Adam, hello. Welcome back, gentlemen. For those who were not here last week, this is a pretty simple show, Eric and and, and, and Trace. I think you've got this figured out, but here's what's going to happen you're going to read some topics. When you get to about a minute left, this little countdown timer is going to pop into the right-hand corner. That's when you know you got to speed it up a little bit. And then when you get a little too long, you'll hear the boom noise, and that's when it's time to move on, my friends. Very easy concept. I can't wait to see what you two get into this evening. All right. Sets us up well. The news today, of course, is that UCF men's basketball has dropped its non-conference schedule. ELO, they're not going very far. Not a, a particularly long jaunt, uh, non-conference schedule, all within the state of Florida. We've made it, Trace. We're officially a Power 5 school, baby, because we're mm-hmm. dictating the travel schedule here. I, I love it. It reminds me, very Jim Beheim esque If anybody follows college basketball closely, Jim Beheim, the longtime head coach at Syracuse, was notorious for non-conference, for scheduling, no, not even leaving the state of New York. Seldom. And and part of the reason for this, I'm sure, is because of the fact that UCF now is in the Big 12, which is the number one strongest conference in college basketball. You're going to travel a ton once you get into Big 12 basketball. So, yeah, you're going to schedule very friendly in the state of Florida. Now, they have a couple of big key matchups, the Miami Hurricanes. They go down to Coral Gables. They're going to be Hurricanes coming off a Final Four team. Old Miss will come back. Come to Orlando, Chris Beer, the former Texas Tech head coach, 
got him to the Final Four a few years back. He's the new head coach at Old Miss. And then, is this like the Sons of UCF Live Invitational in Jacksonville? Adam Eaton home game there? UCF playing in Jacksonville in a tournament. I, I, I think Adam should deserve credit for welcoming UCF basketball to Jacksonville. But, so, you know, that's the schedule. Well, also, local right, you save money on travel because you're going to be spending it on those Big 12 road games. When you look at this schedule, and again, who knows what the makeup of this team is going to be. You get Darius Johnson, you get C.J. Walker, a whole bunch of players we don't even know quite yet. This is the part of the schedule where they're going to have to fatten up with some wins. Uh, is nine maybe a number to shoot for on this schedule? I think ten. Uh, and if you, if you look at the formula, obviously you have the, the non-conference games alongside the 18 Big 12 conference games, which we don't know that schedule yet as we talk. But if I've done some uh, research since 2019, if you do a small sample, the Big 12 teams, any team that's gone seven and 11 or eight and, and 10, all of them have been guaranteed of postseason basketball, except for Oklahoma State a couple of times, one year because they were ineligible because of NCAA probations, and then the other year Oklahoma State didn't do it. It was because they weren't they had a 500 overall record. So my point is, is if UCF, let's say, goes 10-2, and 11-1 and one in non-conference, and you go about 7-11 or 8-10 in the Big 12, you're going to be a postseason basketball team, probably an NCAA tournament team. That's the big difference, Trace, between being in a league like the Big 12 versus the American. There's more room for it. We focused on all the the concerns of competing in the Big 12, but the positive is you have much more room for air. So I actually think this is a very smart strategic schedule by UCF basketball because you want to make sure you put yourself in position to win seven to eight Big 12 games at least, if not more, to get yourself into postseason. Seven Big 12 wins. Sounds like 77. I mean, come on. It's, that's an outrageous number. I have no information on this, but my over-under feels like five. Big 12 wins, and that's maybe with West Virginia, and you steal one with Cincinnati. You still you're coming into this league with Houston, and you know all of the other players. Again, the roster still to be shaken out, but uh, seven. Oh, yeah, no, I agree with you though. Seven wins would be tremendous. I know a lot of folks who watch the premiere of Around the Kingdom want us to, uh, you know, bash each other and fight. We're just going to be ourselves and share our opinions. But Elo, seven wins. There's there's a whole lot of hope in that. Over under four trips you're going to make in the state of Florida to watch UCF. Are you going to Jacksonville to visit Adam? Are you going to go down to Coral Gables, hang out with Mike? I mean, this has got a lot of sons of UCF potential here. I think Mike needs to come up to Jacksonville. Uh, we'll bring back in Adam. Adam, you agree? This would be a good opportunity for Mike. Uh, how far does Brightline go? I'll pick him up here in Orlando. And then no we'll chance. And- no, no chance of Mike anywhere north of Orlando any time in his life. <laughs> All right, Elo, on to topic two. That's so, come on, where's the diehard basketball fans? I mean, come on. I keep hearing about all, all he's, he's Mr. Diehard Basketball. All right, anyway, moving on to the next topic, obviously, for UCF. Of course, hey, UCF's in the Big 12. That's we're still kind of ra- raving about that, except men's soccer, who's in the Sun Belt. Nonetheless, one of the interesting the Orlando Sentinel trace came out uh, recently with its biggest moments in UCF athletics history, top 12 biggest moments in history, highlighted by obviously the Peach Bowl win, the win in the Fiesta Bowl against Baylor, UCF's men's basketball's loss to Duke. The number one on the list was UCF accepting the invite to the Big 12. Trace, did the Sentinel get this right? 
I don't think there's a wrong answer on this. Jason Beatty, the uh, former now beat writer for UCF, he's now covering the Orlando Magic, put this article together. You can't go wrong on this, but it certainly seems like a lot of recency bias, right? Uh, you know, 2007 on, uh, and uh, I think all of the moments really build on one another. The admission into the Big 12, uh, you know, joining the Big 12, important, but you don't have that without other big moments along the way. So uh, I'd say uh, the Danny White moment, which made uh, the list uh, crowning national champions, but doesn't make the list as the Black Friday win over South Florida. And we know over the course of that season, 2013 as well, so many opportunities to stumble and derail plans. But, you know, without that big win on Black Friday, which doesn't make the list, uh, you know, so overall, I think they did a good job. I don't think there's any wrong answers, but I think there's a lot of recency bias. Were you surprised that the loss by men's basketball to Duke makes the list? And that's the only non-football moment on the list. Yes, I was surprised. And I'm very pro UCF Duke basketball game. It was a classic. And obviously they explain it because of the audience. It is the most watched UCF sporting event nationally. Uh, with the ratings and the viewership that it had on CBS for that Duke game. So I understand where for they're going. or for any sport? For any sport, including football. It, it From a national standpoint, it drew more viewers in the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl. Locally, the bowl games, the, beach, uh, the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl still did a higher local rating than that Duke game. But it's still a big number. I, I just don't agree. you got to put the Black Friday. How do you not put the Mike Hughes and Black Friday game? If UCF loses that game to South Florida – we might be having a completely different conversation about the Big 12, if even if we are in the Big 12. I would also throw out the 2018 Memphis title game, the come from behind, where Josh Heupel raises his hand as they rally around after the McKenzie Milton injury, I think was a significant moment. I do not agree with Blake Bortles going number three. We had Dante Culpepper go in the first round. I don't think that's a significant moment that should crack the top 12 uh, from that standpoint, and if you're going to put men's basketball in fairness, they did beat VCU for their first NCAA tournament win. It feels like they went with – and my only other issue is you put the Big 12 invite, that's more of a transaction than a moment, Trace. Like they made, they made the move to the Big East. That was almost catastrophic because the Big East turned into the Americans. So uh, I would have liked a more variety. I'm going to be a little biased here. I think softball hosting a regional and winning oh, a regional – Market's way in. Tell me a better women's sports moment in UCF than that, Grace. How about the omission of hiring George O'Leary, right? Oh. So much credit is given to him for pushing UCF athletics at the time into the facilities upgrades. I mean, it's one of the biggest reasons that he made the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame, right, is that he pushed for that and saw a vision for UCF as that sleeping giant that would finally wake up. So that's not included. I'd say that's also a moment – uh, where they have uh, a conference championship game, the, the Knights' first conference championship game. I don't know that that is as important uh, as hiring George O'Leary. What about UCF making the run to the NIT Final Four and the crowd storming the court there? That was the first time UCF had made some noise in basketball postseason or over a decade. I think that could have gotten some consideration as well. Yeah, uh, a win there by Memphis. A win, a win, actual, an actual win, yes. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But still, an enjoyable read. And credit the Sentinel going all in in its uh, Big 12 coverage. Uh, moving on to, to topics, uh, everything bigger in Texas. How about the SEC just on the heels of the Big 12 holding its media days in Texas, announcing that next year they're coming to Dallas uh, with the uh, inclusion now of Texas and Oklahoma uh, next year in the SEC. 
both of these conferences duking it out in the big state of Texas. Uh, what do you make of Big 12 Media Days and SEC Media Days uh, sharing Texas and in particular that Dallas area? Well, as they like to say in Texas, every uh, everything's bigger in Texas. So they want to tap into that market. I'm sure the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas announcing that. Uh, I think there's room for both. I mean, heck, the Americans in Fort Worth. So <laughs> UCF, uh, from that standpoint, is not too distant there. But I hope that the Big 12 considers actually moving it around. Like Orlando, I last I checked, Trace, is a very nice place to get to, very easy to get to. Uh, nice weather. So I would prefer them to move it around than just stick it in, in, in one place. In Dallas, although Jerry's World, that's a pretty good setup. I'll be curious if the SEC does it in a hotel or in a stadium like the Big 12 did. Uh, in fact, the SEC was in Nashville this year. So, uh, you know, it's it's fine. The conferences are going to tap for these markets. This happens all the time. We see this in college basketball where the ACC and the Big East fight for the market of New York because the ACC has Syracuse. So welcome to new college uh, conferences in, the, in, this, in this era. Our friends at the 1012 Network suggested why not rotate it, but it was interesting, I thought, uh, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark kind of doubling down on the host locations for postseason tournaments, right? Uh, saying football's championship game is going to be in Dallas and basketball is going to remain in Kansas City. He wants to keep the status quo. Uh, so I don't see him moving it around, but I like the idea. Our friend Matt Michelle, the new uh, beat writer uh, covering the Knights uh, at the Orlando Sentinel, threw in a question for us to consider asking us, uh, how about those Big 12 media days versus the uh, AAC when they were in Newport Beach? I think uh, by all means, uh, the Big 12 did it up pretty big, more than 700 credentialed media members in Dallas for that one. Uh, it's it's funny how quickly uh, the reminders of the Big 12 or the AAC are, are kind of going by the wayside for us as, as we get deeper into the Big 12. Hey, I missed the Zoom era of media days. All right, Trace, I like this. But look, Dallas, what a surprise. The media rather go to Dallas than Newport, you know, up in the Northeast in Rhode Island. I mean, come on. Are we really surprised by that? Come on. We like our cities. Speaking of cities, could a matchup between UCF and USF still exist? Oh, the mustache, the stash. Brett McMurphy first reporting, talking to both. Michael Kelly, the USFAD, as well as Terry Mahajan, the UCFAD, that possibly CF and USF could renew their series by the end of the decade, Trace. You fired up for this? Or are you like, uh, you ready? No. No, we talked a little bit about it last week, and I thought Terry Mahajan had sort of soured on it. Schedules don't open up, but I wonder, just like men's basketball, keeping things closer to home in-state, whether there's some travel savings, considering the added travel costs that come with UCF being the furthest destination. Orange County, according to the uh, Big 12, uh, that's how they listed UCF on their uh, little guide showing the mileage to uh, to Dallas, you know, the furthest city. Uh, is, it, is it a play to save some dollars more so than keep a rivalry, but... I, I'm ready for it to be over. I know a lot of our fans say that they want to continue it. I just don't care at this point. Leave them behind. And, you know, they're the big ones on uh, making fun of two-for-ones and all that. Uh, at UCF or nothing. So we're talking about the end of the decade. I mean, are we even going to – I mean, who, that's like two presidential elections for me. <laughs> that's a long time to put that in perspective. Uh, on that interesting note, by the way, no USF on the men's basketball schedule this year to go along with the volleyball schedule. So I don't think people are going to care. USF football, they need to worry about just being decent of a football team. That's my point. This game does nothing for UCF. It doesn't benefit them. If they win, they're supposed to. If they lose, it's catastrophic. I was worried you were going to, like, 
not make it out of the stadium with when USF was making the comeback. I, I thought we were going to have an emergency and take you to ER, Trace, the way you're <laughs> out there. We want this back. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was a, a stressful game. I mean, really, though, the best of those games was 2017. And was the other games particularly memorable? Not in a positive way. I mean, 2018 was the McKenzie Milton injury. Nobody likes that at all. Last year, you see up nearly collapsed at the end of the game there. I mean, no. I mean, that 17 is the game that peaked. I think a lot of people are excited about it. And then it's never been the same ever since. Yeah, hey, let's bring back in Adam for a segment that I have dubbed on our rundown. Some kind of game. Adam, what's, <laughs> what's this all about? Hey guys, it's Adam. Hey, so all right, I got a I got a game for you. I got two questions I'm gonna ask and put some time on the clock. A minute and a half for each question. It's a fun little game I like to call fill in the blank. Here's the first question. Elo, I'm gonna start with you on this one. So you can go first. UCF announced the space game November eleventh against Oklahoma State. Nothing says space game like Oklahoma State. So here's your fill in the blank, Eric. UCF scheduling the space game against Oklahoma State is blank. It's very Clint Eastwood-esque. Was it Clint? Didn't Clint Eastwood do a movie called Space Cowboys or something like that? Uh, Adam, I'm, I'll defer to the movie buffs there. It's an odd choice. I think a lot of the people, Trace and Adam, thought maybe the Houston game would make the most sense from a standpoint of space because of the two schools and their connections there. But the problem is the Houston game is the senior day game, so I didn't think that would happen. Odd choice, but hey, people like their jerseys, so you got to do it. Uh, it's whatever. It's fine with me. Uh, what's your th- you know, that's there. I like the logo, Adam, you're showing on screen. I don't really care. I, I think too much was made out of the, the natural uh, rivalry there that you could have with Houston on space, but UCF's trying to claim space. So why do you want to share it with Houston? Houston should have been more original and embraced the idea themselves. Oklahoma State, maybe the highest profile game. There's certainly some juice around Baylor, but Oklahoma State, uh, you know, interesting player in the conference i'm fine with it so uh I- i'm good i'm good do you really like, like does anybody really think people will go to the game because they're wearing space jerseys like do people actually think that draws I this is a game that's already sold out yeah uh, what be yeah. more interesting to me is on the games and since we've first been talking about this no more sellouts have been announced kent state houston or villanova uh, plug space game in on a game that has not sold out yet if you want to try and juice the crowd Got to be careful, though, that uh, with Oklahoma State, whereas orange is one of their primary colors, that uh, you don't come dressed up for that space game in any sort of orange space uniform. It's all about merchandise, paying merchandise. And I, for one, understand that, promoting merchandise. All right, next up, fill in the blank. Uh, the NFL season kicks off soon, and uh, they kick off the season every year, as you guys both know, with the uh, the Hall of Fame game that takes place in Canton, which means a new Hall of Fame class will be inducted, which means new members will be eligible for next year's Hall of Fame class, including former UCF wide receiver Brandon Marshall will be eligible for the first time for the Hall of Fame. So, gentlemen, here's your fill in the blank. Trace, I'll start with you. The first UCF player to be inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame will be blank. Asante Samuel. He's been in the media he's, lately. He's certainly been lobbying for it, right? Uh, interesting question. I don't know that, we're, that we maybe have seen that player yet because I don't know that Brandon Marshall did enough uh, to get in there. Yeah, I think with wide receivers, it's so difficult because now the stats, every receiver puts up numbers, so it's hard to stand out. I Asante Samuel has the Super Bowl rings with his success with New England, uh, so that makes sense. I actually have Asante Samuel – uh, as a, maybe the best case. I'll give you another name, though. Josh Sitton. If you go on offensive line, was a Pro Bowl lineman, 
for the Green Bay Packers. He's actually going into the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame this fall. If you know the NFL wants to put in a lineman, I could see Josh Sitton getting in there. He also has a Super Bowl ring, been one of the best linemen during his time. I think him and Sammy are your two uh, guys as far as players that are pretty much has, are done playing. Otherwise, we might have to wait a while. What about Charlie Hewlett, who's had a long career uh, as a long snapper? Or how about Matt Prater? Oh, kickers. His kickers. No, I, we're, not, we're not putting kickers. Not, you don't want any kicker in? No kickers listen, allowed in? Matt I, I, Prater's I one of the best in the NFL. The only kicker then from this era that's getting in is probably Justin Tucker. That's about it. I mean, it's it's kind of a dime a dozen. I mean, my, our boy, Matthew Wright, can't keep a job because – if there's two, there's the same kickers over and over again. So no, I'll That's tell you the case guy, well, with is that he has kept a job for a long time. Yeah, but he hasn't won anything as far as w- winning success. Whereas a guy like Justin Tucker has. So I mean, it's just not going to happen. I'll tell you this though, Richie Grant, if he could, I think down the road, if he continues like he had this past year with the Falcons, watch for Richie Grant. I think he has a chance to be the greatest UCF defensive back when it's all said and done. Yeah, mark it down. Come back to that in several years. Adam Eaton with some kind of game. Uh, in the uh, second episode of Around the Kingdom. Uh, Let's talk salary cap. Now, what about this provocative quote uh, that has been talked about uh, from Gus Malzahn out of Media Days? We need some kind of salary cap or some kind of guidelines. It's all over the place. I think every coach in America would second that. Did it look like UCF was a bit too poverty school with that comment, Hila? No, I mean, you could certainly – it's a weird comment to make for college football, but I I don't – I understand where he's coming from it with Gus Malzahn on this. Like, it is, seems a little bit out of control. Like, nobody – seems like certain schools spend a certain amount, certain don't. Like, you know, it's all over the place. There's no consistency like in pro sports. So I think that's where Gus is going with on that, and I, I'm all for it. Like, can we get some order – as far as a balanced deal where everybody's in this playing the same playing level field. But I don't know how realistic that is. Unfortunately, in college athletics, everybody's always going to have an upper hand. You just have to get used to it as a Power 5 member. That's part of the, the game, I guess. Well, not even that. Uh, the leagues, but also the states. The states have passed their yep. own NIL rules. Florida with its set. Missouri making news. You can pay high school kids uh, officially uh, in Missouri with their NIL. So, uh, and the NCA, they're toothless to to put in any sort of regulations. And, and and I think he has a point about this. I'm not sure that I agree with folks who said that it made him or UCF look bad. I think he wants to know what the rules are and, you know, that everybody's playing fairly by them. But it's college sports. Nobody's ever played fairly. Uh, and there's always been money uh, circulating through the sport. So now it's just called something a little bit different. Now, the, uh, the, the what the devil's advocate would say, Trace, as far as the critics would say is, wait, so you want a salary cap for players? What about salary cap for coaches? Some might come back at that, but I I kind of agree with you. I think I'm all for different ideas and trying to maybe help the sport in general, but I do think there will be critics that will say, are you putting a cap on coaches too? When you look at coach teams like Alabama have like a hundred coaching people on their staffs. So it's always an interesting dynamic when you bring up the word salary cap in any sport. And then you have these multimillionaire head coaches ripping on players. Remember a few years back, tried and failed was an attempt right at Northwestern to unionize. I think we may see a return of that at some point. Uh, You know, are they employees? Uh, You know, are they student athletes? What exactly are they? So I think you might even see the return of that. So I think what Coach Malzahn is talking about is what are the rules? 
Nobody seems to know. It changes all the time. I do think it's interesting, though, that this idea, notion of paying players, they've just shifted the burdens. The universities aren't involved in this anymore. They're putting this on the fans to, to pony up dollars. The NCAA is not sharing any of the TV revenue with the players. They're just asking fans to join the Kingdom Collective and uh, sign up for events and do things like that. So they're just passing the buck down uh, to the fans to subsidize the athletes. The interesting thing is, where is this going in five years? Where are we in five years? Where are we in 10 years? But I will say this, to my pleasant surprise, I don't think a lot of fans are going, hey, look at that player. wonder what he's making like we do in pro sports. So uh, we'll see where we're at in the next few years. But I'm all for different ideas and try to help, and I think that's what Gus was doing. See. All right, what we got next here, uh, Trace? We got more of Pete fans, Night Nation chiming in here. Oh, wait, we got uh, a, a lot's going on here with fans. We got we got interaction, Trace. Well, I think it was interesting, one of the comments, fans of the original Big 12 are going to hate UCF fans when they, once they get to know them. They're loud, willing to beef, and there are a lot of them. What do you think of this reputation of Night Nation? Are you comfortable uh, with a fan base that will be vilified and hated for as uh, chirpy as Listen, it is, especially on social media. First of all, nobody's going to be more hated than West Virginia fans who, like, burn, you know, sofas, all right? Nobody I, – I think this is a very high, like, you know, deal here. Like, I think UCF fans are going to be loyal. I think they're going to support their teams. Are they going to be loud? Yeah, they're going to be bragging. But I don't think they're going to turn to violence like some, like a West Virginia where property gets damaged, Trace. I think we kind of – yeah, I, I come on now. I think we'll be fine. Uh, at Wander Nights asking us a question. UCF's known to travel well. How do you think the Big 12 footprint impacts away game attendance for the Knights? I think it juices it because nobody wanted to go to Tulsa. They will want to go to Oklahoma. And I think certainly the novelty effect, we talk about it at home games. I think you'll see it on the road as well. Maybe not in places like Lubbock, but I think fans will be curious about some of these Big 12 destinations and want to check them out. Uh, so I think there will be interest in that. And as well for the bowl game, I think the uh, tired rotation of bowl games for the AAC uh, gives way to more choices and better matchups uh, with Big 12 schools. So I think Knights fans will be energized by the travel. And that's what happens when you change leagues, right? Also, uh, as well. I think at first, you're right. There's that honeymoon period. Hey, let's try something for that first time. But the one thing we you're we're gonna miss, Trace, and you're Mr. Traveler of the two of us. You you travel to a ton of road games. No more trips to beautiful Louisiana there for Tulane, an easy back and forth, or Memphis or Philadelphia. We're going to some interesting cities, Manhattan, Kansas. I'm not talking Manhattan, New York. Manhattan, mm -hmm. Kansas, not the easiest places to get to, and also a little more expensive. So I think while fans will do it for the first year or two. I don't – we'll see how it goes. I think a lot will depend on what the product looks like on the field, but not as easy to get to. So I, I think the diehards will always be there, but I do wonder how many will – it will be as large. I don't think we'll see large crowds like we did in for the two lanes of games and the Memphis games, for example, uh, most recently. You mentioned ease of travel. Cost of travel factors into that as well. It's easy to hop on a flight, quick flight, usually inexpensive – Orlando to New Orleans, not as cheap to get the Lubbock, nor can you do so directly. So I think the cost will factor into that. And you mentioned the success on the field, uh, right? That's going to factor into this. How much money do you want to throw into a road trip to Lawrence, Kansas, 
as well, Manhattan, Kansas, if the team is struggling. I wonder what the traveling fan base will be for other sports, especially, say, UCF at Kansas and men's basketball. Right. I think that's – if you're a diehard basketball fan, that's a bucket list game. If they end up going to Lawrence, Kansas, Fog Allen Fieldhouse, that's a bucket game. Our good friend Brian Murphy, in fact, has already circled that. If that ever happens, he's going there. All right. First episode, we received some comments, Elo. Mostly no. favorable. Yeah. Some – a little less than favorable on the UCF fan form on rivals. UC to the F with this one. Uh, you lost me at Eric Lopez. Sorry, but the guy is so uninformed. How about that one? I just can't. It's hard enough to deal with uninformed UCF Mike from the Sons of UCF. But at least he can be funny as uninformed Mike by just not caring. Does that stink? Didn't we talk about you being a golden Mike? award nominee you have some critics there i know and i've been doing this top 100 rankings for ucf male and female athletes historically but not in form i i will concede though i am not as funny as ucf mike so i i can't i you know guilty as charged on that. I, uh, let's uh, credit at dan cundiff too this was a superb podcast really well done well done adding eric lopez was an inspired move the young man knows his stuff i like that you're referred to as the young man I am young, and Dan's obviously a very well, good listener, and uh, props to him. So I do know my stuff. So I am maybe not informed, but I do know my stuff there. All right. Send in your constructive criticism, ideas for future shows, and uh, feel free to rip on Elo. I, I enjoyed that uh, first comment. All right, let's go, uh, Adam. We're going to shorten that time a little bit. Anything to correct here? Anything to judge in our performance here on the second episode of Around the King? Yeah, a couple of quick things. Uh, Elo, you said that uh, only one kicker will get into the Hall of Fame in this era. I think Adam Vinatieri would like a word with you. I feel like he's a surefire Hall of Fame kicker. He would like a word with you. Uh, obviously, uh, Oklahoma State space game, November 11th. We talked about Houston. That's November 25th. That's the last game of the year after Thanksgiving. Traditionally a tough attended game, so perhaps that's why Houston didn't get the nod. And you're talking about travel. According to the Orlando Sentinel, UCF will travel 17,000. 750 miles this year on its football schedule compared to 2,877 miles on last year's football schedule. Ooh, so quite the mileage increase, according to the Orlando Sentinel. Wow. Adam, you're, are you, Adam you're hosting all of us at your place, right? When UCF basketball is playing in Jacksonville, we're going to get to be in your studios there? Come on down. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do Around the Kingdom live from maybe from the court. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up with one more thing. Good luck to some Knights, uh, former Knights, uh, in the Women's World Cup, uh, which begins soon. That includes Tiffany Roberts-Hadek, UCF women's soccer coach. She's going to serve an as an assistant with the squad, Eric. Yeah, she is. The U.S. will defend their World Cup this Friday night. Late night. It's going to be in New Zealand, Trey. So a lot of weird start times. This one they're going to play at 9 o'clock, but some of the other matches will be maybe around while you're sleeping at 1, 2 a.m. I'll be up watching Coach Zahedek trying to help the U.S. national team win a World Cup, but she's not the only UCF representing. There's three UCF uh, players, two former uh, players. Kanya Plummer is representing Jamaica, and Kat Sousa representing Brazil, plus a current night freshman, Genesis Perez Watson, representing Costa Rica. The goalkeeper could be the heir apparent to Caroline Delisle on the UCF soccer team. She's the second active UCF Knights ever participate in the World Cup. Kanya Plummer, four years ago, did that. For Jamaica. So World Cup time, Trace. Let's go. You feel good about the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. They're the heavy favorites. Uh, I think, uh, England, you know, maybe England and Canada could be their contenders, but 
you know, they've got a lot of motivation. They're a stacked roster. They've dominated the last couple of World Cups. I, I, there have to be the favorites. All right. Go USA. Again, our plan is to record midweek and drop episodes uh, for you. You'll find them on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel as well in the Sons of UCF audio feed, wherever you find your downloadable content. I want to thank Adam as well. Appreciated the game this week, Adam. And uh, for Eric Lopez, I'm Trey Struggle. Thanks so much for being with us for Around the Kingdom. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.